Let's get ready to receive this morning's tithe and offering. Father, thank you now as we get ready to give that we know that what we give is not a debt that we owe, but it's a seed that we sow. We trust and believe that good seed sown into good soil brings forth good fruit. And we believe that this ministry is good fruit. So I pray, Father, that everyone that can give, that is able to give, that you would bless them abundantly back, that what they give is a seed that will expand uh, the kingdom in this area. It will expand the kingdom in their life. Uh, and that you will partner with them in finance to bring abundance. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on up to the front and bring your tithe and offering. Place it here in the baskets. If you want to give online, the screens will tell you how to do that. You can text the amount you would like to give to 84321 or go on our website, which is truevinestatesville.org. And on that website, you can get a, access to all of our calendar of events. And uh, we're loading it up daily. Uh, services. We've got a YouTube channel where our services are available, a Facebook page we'd like for you to follow. Um, just to keep you updated, we're never going to ask you for anything there except maybe prayers. Or you can go on our web or on tvc.churchcenter.com slash giving. As you guys are making your way back to your seats, children's church and nursery, you guys can be dismissed back to the back. Um, if you're uh, children's church age, that's kindergarten through fifth grade, you'll go back through that door if you'd like. And nursery is babies all the way up to pre-K, second door down that hallway on the left. If you're visiting, our restrooms are down that uh, hallway as far as you can reach. And I would encourage you to flush if you use it. It's always a good thing. It sounds funny and trite, and I'm not trying to be that way, but it is a little funny. It's always better if you do that yourself instead of someone having to come after you to do it. Good morning. I hope you're doing well. And I can tell you that uh, the Spirit of the Lord is here. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't just wait here as we come together. He's, he's with us. And Jesus promised that, the, that the, he told his disciples one day, just as he was about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in the upper room, and he said, the Spirit is with you, and he will be in you. And the way that the Spirit was with them was in the person of Jesus. But the promise was that the same Spirit that dwelt in Jesus bodily would be uh, shed abroad for all of us to receive. And that was the promise, and that is the promise today. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, is where you are, if you carry His Spirit. You do not have to come to a building to feel His presence. His presence is everywhere that He is. And if you're a carrier of His Spirit, and you are a bearer of His glory and His image, then guess what? Where you are, He is. Isn't that amazing? There was never a time that Jesus walked the earth um, when he walked his three and a half years of ministry that he went somewhere that the Spirit didn't go with him. He didn't have to conjure up the Spirit and he didn't have to work up a feeling or an emotion or a, a goose pimple and all that stuff is okay. That's a, sometimes we respond to his Spirit that way. But everywhere that he went, whether he was sleeping, eating, preaching, teaching, or in a boat fishing, guess what? The Spirit of the Lord was with him in the same way in 2022 when you're filled with his Spirit, everywhere that you go, his Spirit is. And so you don't have church so much as you are the church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you can be here. Here. You can be back there in the bathroom or you can be out on your boat fishing and turn your attention and, and, and your heart towards him and guess what? There he is. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. I believe people uh, are being made free this morning. In fact, I know they are. I watched as the Lord was moving earlier today. And I want to tell you that any time during the, during the time that we worship or the time that we're preaching or anything that we're doing, I know there are many out that are, have been, not been feeling well. We're blessed them and pray uh, for health upon their lives. But you have uh, the freedom of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord is here to move. And I have no problem with him interrupting whatever I think that I need to be doing if it meets a need for his people. That's, that's the way we operate here. So if there's a need that needs to be met, that's not being met by what we're doing. We're happily, we're happy, happily stopped to let the Father do what He wants to do through His Spirit. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the Spirit of Truth. Somebody say back to me, the Spirit of Truth. I don't make you repeat me often uh, because I know that can be annoying when you say, turn to your neighbor and say, my dad was famous for it, and we probably did it 50 times a service. I won't do it that much, but I want you to say, Spirit of Truth. We live in. I'm read, I do want to read some of my notes, but I just want to, I want to talk about truth because we live in a day and age in 2022 where we have convinced a generation that truth is relative. Not relevant, but relative, which means, uh, and that's where we get the, the nonsense sayings such as my truth. 
Now, I'm not going to, you're going to, some of the things that I say, you might think that they come across uh, as being, uh, as targeting one political side or the other, and I don't believe in that. I, in fact, I believe both political sides just fight for the same bird, separate wings of the same bird. But in, in 2022, I want you to think about this just for a minute. Do you realize that, that in this age, the, the children that were born, Gen X, the, the children that were born from the late 90s all the way until the mid to early 2000s will be the first generation ever that has had access to social media in middle school? It's almost, it's almost frightening. You can access loads, limitless loads of information and data with the press of a button. And what has happened, I'm just going to set a little bit of a tone this morning and we'll get into where I believe where the Lord wants us to talk because today is going to be a little more of a pragmatic type service, I believe and I hope so. But we're going to have to come to terms with some reality so that we can, look, the, the problems that we're facing, right, they're not going away. The problems and the issues that we are facing in the world today are not going to go away, but they are going to be met, and I believe they'll be met by, by children and by seekers and by sons and daughters of truth. And the only spirit that can stand up to the spirit of the age is the spirit of truth. And truth is not rel relative. Truth is it is matter of fact, it is solid, and until we discover what that truth is, then every time someone seems to mention something, we're going to go in that direction. And it's happened even in the church, because depending on what, uh, what did you, okay, let me, for instance, let me give you this. Did you know that if you go on Google right now, I'm not trying to attack Google, I think that the, that, that the internet can be used as a great tool, I use it every day. But you can go on, to, on Google and ask a question, and depending on where you are geographically, you might get completely different answers. And sometimes those answers will oppose each other. This is a fact. This is a, this is a fact, and I'll cite my sources in a minute. I'm, I, you know, so, but how many of us, if we have any questions whatsoever about anything that we want to do or something that we may not know, our first response in, in the first generation of humankind is to instead of engaging in communication with someone that has experience or knows truth, we go to a device. And our be-all to end-all for information and for what we consider to be truth is our device. And I'm not saying that's bad. Like, for instance, I've used YouTube to learn how to work on some stuff around the house. And some of you should probably pull out that, you know, learn to work that Google button on the internet machine. It's a movie quote. Nobody, three people got it, but that's okay. It's not a very popular movie, but it is, apparently. Some of you should use that, but I just want you to think about this. This is, this is, this is not, not something to argue about. This is un indisputable that for over two and a half billion people in the world, and probably more, but we know for a fact at least two and a half billion people, our primary source of information is a device. We have made a phone or a tablet or a computer the arbiter of truth. And so if we read it, we automatically assume that it must be the truth. We don't really know these days really what truth even looks like. And, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but honey, you don't look like those filters. It sounds funny, and all of us like that. In, in fact, if we didn't have mirrors, nobody would know what they look like. Based on your social media, I've got, I've got friends, and you do too, that their social media picture, you look at it like, man, who is this person? And you have to read the name to be able to define who that is. And we've, the same thing that we do with our social media, and use your filters. I don't care what filters you used. I have no problem with it. I'm trying to make a, a broader point. Most of the photos on social media are heavily, if not at least somewhat, filtered. Did you know that? The same is, it's the same way with truth. Our truth is filtered in the same way that our photos are filtered. And so it's not an exact uh, truth when we read truth. It just happens to be a presentation of what we consider truth. In other words, it's perspective. How many of you ladies, talk to me. How many of you ladies know how to work the angles and know how to work the filters? If you didn't put your hand up, God forgive you. We'll have a service for liars after church. That's what my dad used to say. It's a joke. It's a joke. I'm sure there are three of you that have never used filters. How many of you guys, including myself, have ever used a filter in social media? Yes, we use, why do we do that? It do, it, who says so? Right, right, it, you're right, you're right. I, that's the answer that I want. It makes you look better, or, or so we seem. And, and who defines what beauty is? Think about this, society. 
You, you, you may not like this, and I'm, I'm one of you. When I say you, I've had to come to terms with it. Do you know that from the time you're a child, you are programmed, pre-programmed to, to understand what society views as beautiful? What if I were to tell you society is not the be-all to end-all for information? God is. And it doesn't matter how many filters you do or don't have. You're beautiful just like you are. That is the truth because God made you in his image and after his likeness. But we live in a society where we believe that we, we live in this comparison, competitive society. That this one looks like this and this is her body shape and this is his body. And if we don't line up to what society says the standard, so we can't actually get there because it's not realistic. Because most of the people whose pictures you see on TV are highly filtered, highly edited, and probably have more plastic in them than your Barbie doll. I'm not being the Kardashians, not to take shots. Go look at before and afters of the Kardashians. They don't look anything like what they actually look like. And so we have little girls that are 10, 12, and 14, and 15 that see the pictures of this, of this airbrushed, wonderful, as they think, perfect, flawless Kardashian. They say, I've got to compare to that. And so the only way to compare to that is be just as fake as the Kardashians are. Just, this is where the rubber meets the road. You don't hear me talk this way a whole lot, do you? But I'm trying to, I'm trying to prove a, a broader point that we have allowed society to dictate and determine what is standard and what is truth instead of finding out what actually is truth. And here's the thing. I've talked a lot about peace, and so many people have been robbed over the last two years of peace. It is an attack and assault on peace. But I believe that the, the removal of peace uh, happens as a result of the removal of truth. If, you, if we ever understand what real truth is, or should I say, if we ever understand who real truth is, then we'll receive back our peace, but our peace is robbed from us. In fact, it was, uh, who was it? Um, I think Roosevelt was the first one that said that, um, that competition is the, is the is, is it competition? Is that, no, comparison is the thief of peace. You look at this, you compare yourself. None of us are supposed to, can you imagine a garden where every single plant or flower is exactly the same, that would be boring. You're supposed to have all different colors and sizes and, and whatever, and all of it's beautiful. It's all made beautiful in his time. That's what the Bible says about it. But we don't know what truth is. And why do we not know? Because there has been a system to program you to understand what, what the powers that be, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist necessarily, but I can tell you this, over the last two years, a lot of your friends that you entitle and call conspiracy theorists have become truthists, and you find out, oh my God, they were telling the truth the whole time, because the man behind the curtain don't want you to know that a lot of the things that they call conspiracy, it's, not, it's actual truth. You're just having to wake up and say, oh my God, they were right the whole time. And what, and what we have to understand is, you know, we, we have to find what, so what is truth? If truth is relative and it changes and you have your truth and you have your truth and you have your truth and you have your truth, then what happens is the moral fabric of any society begins to decay because we can't define the standard of what truth actually is. If one person on this side of the auditorium says, God, I hope not, I can't imagine they would, Biden's the greatest president ever, the first thing we're going to do is pray for that person and say, my gosh, but that's their truth. And on this side, they say, Donald Trump was the most pleasant, and God forbid if you believe that, because that's also not true, man that's ever been president, you know, and this is your truth and that's her truth, then guess what? And, and there's never an actual truth, a standard of truth, then we're going to fight each other. I wonder if I were your enemy, what I could do to cause division. In fact, what I would do is cause division. I'd divide you based on race and color and, and, and standing in society. I'd divide you based on class, you know, the rich and the haves and the haves. I'd divide you every single way that I could. And if you look around, tell me that's not exactly what has happened in society in 2022. Everybody's divided. Why? Because we don't have a standard of truth. If we had a standard of truth, we can say, no matter what else, this is absolute and it does not change. And we do have that. And the only truth is not a thing. He is a person and his name is Jesus and his spirit has been given to us. That's what truth is. And the, and, the, and the gift, in my opinion, that's missing in the church more than any other gift, and it is one of the first gifts you would receive as a believer of the Holy Spirit, is the gift of discernment. We, we don't know how to discern the truth from the false because we've been so programmed to believe one specific way. For instance, I'll tell you this. Last night, my, my little daughter, Rachel, she has discovered, as I have I, on Peacock. If you don't have Peacock and you were a wrestling fan growing up, go get it. Man, you can watch every WrestleMania that ever was. 
It's amazing, like the good ones back in the day before it became trash and, and smut and stuff. And, and if, if you're into that, then God bless you, whatever. But I'm talking about back in the, you know, the wrestling's goofy days, but they're heydays. So Rachel and I watched Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania 3. How many people know which one that is? That's when they said that Andre the Giant's never been body slammed. Of course, we know the truth is now he'd been body slammed multiple times, including by, woo, the nature boy Ric Flair. By superstar Billy Graham, among others. By Harley Race. Many had already said. But it was built up. And Nancy, you laugh. And the reason I, I brought you up is because your husband was the one, before I met Joey, that would always buy the pay-per-views because the Buttons weren't paying for pay-per-view. So if I got to watch a pay-per-view, hey, Uncle David, which, yeah, I got it. Come on over. I remember in Cool Springs, this is where we lived at the time, watching WrestleMania three. And there was such build up to it. I just, it was just unbelievable. This, this seven foot five, 520 pounds. And he wound up being more like seven foot one and about 460 pounds. But let's, and he wore shoes that had heels two and a half inches big, even though he was a huge man, to over exaggerate his size. And Hulk Hogan, this, this warrior this cha- that's going to become champion and, and defeat this undefeated giant that had been beaten multiple times. I'm a little kid and I bought into all of it. I loved it. I, and to this day, I like watching it because it brings back memories of me sitting either my grandfather or my Uncle David or back in the day when Joey and I would watch it back when we were teenagers and early 20s, watching these wrestling events. But we all know, Rachel's not in here, God, is she? We all know that it's all scripted. And all of us now willingly accept that it was scripted. But there's a thing called kayfabe. And kayfabe is, what, is, is when wrestlers stayed in character. And they stayed in kayfabe so that they could sell their story. And a lot of them went so far as if they were seen in public, they would still act their part because they wanted to fool the audience and keep the, keep the joke going or keep the story going or keep the, 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 the non-realistic wrestling you know, facade up. Did you know that? What if I were to tell you there's more of your reality that's like kayfabe than you probably realize? And you've been programmed to believe a certain way from the time you were a child. How many hours, and I did too, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to reveal some things, and I want to get to the scripture in a second, but how many hours a day as a child did you consume television? And who decided what it was that you would watch on the television network? And why are they called programs? I'm, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm not trying to bring condemnation. I just want to raise some questions. Why are they called? Why is it called programming? Because exactly what they intend to do. And when I say they, are you saying there's this evil? I'm saying absolutely. The Bible calls the enemy the prince of the power of the air, or that word air, airwaves. And so he uses the airwaves, whether it's through music or whether did you did you know that did you know that less than a hundred years ago that there was a, society, a secret society of people. This is you can look you can look this up for yourself. And even, the, pretty much where you look this up, it'll say the same. That changed the frequency of music so that it increased the frequency. For instance, an A would be 440 gigahertz or, or, or vibrations per second. 440. Where standard would be, is it 418 or, 4, or 428? 444, right. And so, so what they raise the frequency, and you know what that does to human beings? Because at the, you know this, hopefully you know this by now, at the, at the base of all of us, we are a form of energy. And it raises our vibration, it raises our frequency uh, more than it should be so that almost always we're on the precipice of anxiety. This was done intentionally. In fact, uh, who is the... I can see his face, Ray Hughes. If you, ever, if you ever want to hear somebody that's full of the Holy Spirit that talks about this at length, go listen to Ray Hughes. He'll talk about this. In fact, he'll hit a, a guitar and, and he'll sing. He'll get up next to his guitar and he'll sing a note, an A note. And as he sings it, guess what? The A note on the guitar will respond in kind. Just, did you know that? If I were to sing an A note next to a guitar, the, the, the string on that guitar would respond to my voice because it's the same frequency. It's the same amount of vibrations per second that causes that, that sound. Anyways, I, I, I want to get off on, uh, on, on a tangent with that, but there, there are a lot of things that most of us have not been made aware of that maybe over the last few years we're starting to become aware of. That we are, We're programmed. From the time that we are little kids, from the time that we're, you know, in, in, if you went to public school, from, we're programmed. And I'm not suggesting that everything that comes across the airwaves is bad. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there are nefarious powers that be that would love to keep everybody under control. Don't you find it odd that just magically out of nowhere, here comes a virus? Do you think that just happened? 
Have you noticed that within the last three weeks we've gone to COVID being the worst thing in the world and everybody better mask and if you don't mask you want to kill grandma to now as of this week the CDC says you don't need to wear masks. If you ever read the box of those N95 masks, they tell you it does nothing for COVID on the box and yet we're going to force each other to wear it. Why is that? I want you to think about this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attacking because I don't know what any of you necessarily believe but I just want you to think about this. What we, we've lost the ability to critically think. We don't think. You can read the, the box will tell you this. If you wear a mask, God, I don't see anybody wearing a mask. If you do, God bless you. I have no problem with it. I'm not telling you what to be for, but I just want to pose some questions. The box will tell you this does nothing. Microscopically, the droplets that would come through your breath will not be kept by those. What, but what it will do to cause you to breathe more poison. But now the same group that has said this is so says now this isn't so. Has the science changed? No, the narrative has. Last week it was all Canada, Canada, Canada. Trudeau, Trudeau, Trudeau. You remember. How am I saying, have we watched TV together ever, Tina? Have we ever watched it? No, but we, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. And all of you pointing at why? Because we all get the same information. Because you may not know this, but all the information that you get outside of the Word of God and community comes from five sources and only five. Every single news network and media is owned by five and no more than five companies around the world and really it can get narrowed down to even one every single one of them and I don't care if you're a Foxer or a CNNer it doesn't matter to me I'm telling you it's all fed and all of it gets approved what can be said and now what is tell me what the narrative is now somebody say what's the country everybody's thinking about Ukraine and Russia exactly None of us have watched television together. I'm just trying to prove a broader point that all of us now know that the national narrative has changed from COVID to Trudeau in Canada. Now, now it's Ukraine. And how many of you have wanted to jump on social media and say one thing or the other or take one stance or the other and knowing that there may be other people? Do you, do you see? I'm, I'm telling you, all this is information to program me for a reason. Am I telling you that things aren't happening in the world? No, things are happening. I'm not suggesting that, that there aren't bad things and nefarious things happening in Ukraine. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not defending or attacking Putin. or any. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is there's a reason that all of us carry and hear one side of the exact same narrative. And what it, what it does is it pulls our focus away from what is truth. And he is truth. Do you know... I'm going to say this, and I can't believe I have to say this to a spirit-filled church in 2022. The only source of real truth that exists in the universe is Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. Period. And the only uniting, the only uniting spirit that is left in the cosmos is the Spirit of God. And it should be the Spirit of God manifesting through the church. But because we believe our programming more than we believe our, our, our un new understand, or understanding of new covenant... Then we have no problem fighting with each other. Oh, no, you, no, this one's the best. Oh, no, this one's the best. You want to kill grandma. You just don't care about anybody. You ought to get that shot. I can't believe you got that shot. And it's fight, 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 fight. It's the same information given with a different perspective to cause division. And that's all it is. And the church of Jesus Christ should be the church full enough of his spirit to say, wait a minute, this, this isn't right. No matter what side of the, of the argument you find yourself on, if you're fighting against someone on the other side, fighting against someone instead of a spirit, you are on the wrong side. Joshua was about to take land. Do you remember this? Joshua was out in the wilderness. And by, the Bible says suddenly a man appeared before him. It was a warrior. It was an angel. And he said, are you for us or are you for them? Joshua already had in his mind that there was a line of division. And the angel said, you, you've got it all confused. I'm not here to take your side and I'm not here to take their side. I'm here in the name of Jesus. I'm here to take over. Whose side are you on? And at some point, we as the church, as the New Covenant Church, are going to have to divide, erase the line that divides us and say, you know what, we're no longer going to be divided by what the programmers say. We're going to be united as one, and we are first and foremost sons and daughters of God. We are brothers and sisters, and I won't let someone divide me based on color, culture, creed, uh, social status, economic status, or anything else. And I don't care what the talking heads say at CNN or what the talking heads say at Fox News. I don't care what matters is what is thus to say of the Lord I don't know if you know this I'm making tons of friends with this I'll read through this I'm going to get to the scripture we are bombarded daily with social media 
which by the way, as I said, is exclusively a 21st century phenomenon. We don't know the long-term effects of social media. We ain't had it long enough yet. We can peer into the lives of other people around the world with the click of a button or the slide of our thumbs. In less than one generation, we have reprogrammed billions of people to seek out their smart devices as the ultimate arbiter of truth. But a closer look, a deeper dive will reveal something far from truth. Truth filtered is not truth. Truth filtered is not truth. It's a distortion of the truth. And although it may appear more attractive, it still doesn't make it true. We do the same thing with truth that we do with our photos that we put on Instagram or Snapchatters or whatever social media platform you use. If you don't believe me, look at the myriad of photos on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. They're all famous for allowing people to alter their truth. Thank God for mirrors and real human interaction or no one would know what anyone else actually looks like. We've become a society so self-absorbed that we have coined the phrase, my truth. You should strike that from your vocabulary because it's at best an oxymoron and at worst self-indulgent, truth-denying nonsense. Truth is not subjective. You don't, get to, you don't look like your filtered photos and the truth has no filter. It is, or better said, he is. And when we get to, and we'll get to that in a minute. How did we digress to the place that we allow a website or artificial intelligence become the disseminator of all truth? Justin Harris worked as an, as an um, ethicist at Google. One of the first, you may or may not have seen, there's a, there's a, there's a movie or a program, a documentary called The Social, um, I think it's The Social dilemma. Oh my God, if you've not seen it, go watch it. These are, these are not, as I understand it, believers. These are people that say there is a moral problem with, with, uh, with, you know, with, with what's happening with Google. Do you know that at every second, everything that you're saying or doing, you are a cons- you're consuming the social media, but you are the, you are the product. They sell you. Have you ever, how many people have ever talked about something and then within a day, you look at your phone and you get advertised the very thing. And you're like, man, how do they know? Because they're selling you. You are the product. And this is not something a mad preacher saying. This is something the developers it did on purpose. So when you go to your phone now, everything that you talk about comes up in an advertisement because you're the product. And when you know the, when the new license agreement comes out that's 75 pages long and this big and you don't want to read it and you just agree to it, you agree to let them sell your data to all these companies across the world. Now, don't get mad at me. I, I don't want you mad at me, and I'm not against. I have an iPhone. I'm using an iPad. We use social media, and we use the Internet, and I believe that it can be a good tool. I believe it can be a wonderful tool. In fact, I think it's so wonderful that I don't have to write down directions for my wife. She can simply look them up on the phone because God knows if she had to depend on herself to get from A to B, she'd be lost going from west to east Statesville. And half of y'all would too. They sell your data, so, and so that when you're, you're like, oh, my God, I was just talking about this. That's so freaky. I'm, I'm, we've done that. You've had that, that experience, right? Like, oh, my God, how do they know? Because you sold the rights to your privacy to all these companies, and you're what they're selling. Then now one of the new products is you can get a baggie or a little, I, I don't have one, maybe I should, that you could put your phone in at night, you ziplock it, and it keeps you secure so that while you're sleeping or, God forbid, while you're changing clothes or, God worse, using the bathroom where you do most of your social media, they can't see, watch, or, or know what you're doing. Why do we have to come to an age where we have to lock our devices away that were supposed to be tools for us so that we can maintain some sort of privacy and, and individuality? And that is, this, is, this is facts. I'll read. He received his baccalaureate and master's degree from Stanford where he studied the ethics of human persuasion. This man was hired to, to find a way to persuade humans to do the things that these programmers and these advertising giants wanted you to do. How many of you ever clicked on one of those ads like, well, that's a good idea. And before you know it, it's been 30 minutes and you've bought 14 things. We, we've all done it. No condemnation. I'm just saying, I'm trying to prove a point to you. This has led to young people being the first generations to consult a device for the answer without the need for human interaction. It's sad, actually. I'm far from old. I'm far from old. What are you laughing for? And I can remember a time that kids asked their parents or at least other humans or their uncles their aunts for help because we were made for a community. 
And we're fast approaching a world that exists outside the bounds of reality where human interaction is a thing of the past and we consume data as though it were the truth. And therein lies the problem. We have conflated data with truth. If I read it, how many of you have ever read, and it doesn't matter what side of an issue you're on, I really don't care about that, have read it, and because your favorite talking head said it, you automatically assumed and took it for gospel truth. Not having any clue, not having, how many of you have ever met Don Lemon or Tucker Carlson? I just know those are two of the big, how many of you ever sat down and met them and you know them? None of us do. So how do you know that they're not just saying what they're told to say? To get a prescribed response from you. And they're paid well to do it. And depending on which side of an issue you fall on, you're going to swear, no, my guy's telling the truth. No, my guy's telling the truth. And all it is is division, division, division. I like doing services like these because like afterwards I have like 15 people want to take me to lunch. <laughs> take a picture, snapshot up there for everybody's here and let me know who all is missing next week. We've, we've conflated data with truth. No matter the source of the data, we take it as fact because we have forfeited the gift of discernment and exchanged it for convenience. Oh, man. We have forfeited the gift of discernment, which is a gift given by the Holy Spirit, for convenience. It's easier for me, instead of critically think through this and ask the Holy Spirit, show me what's true, is just to accept it as fact because I can look it up in two seconds. Now I know. The truth is still the truth. So what is truth? It's the same question that Pilate asked Jesus as Jesus was standing before him and about to be delivered to the multitude to be crucified. Jesus looks at Pilate and says this, I came or I come to bear testament, to give testament, to be a witness to the truth. And rhetorically, Pilate says to him, what is truth? It's the same question that those in power and in society are asking today, what is truth? 2,000 years later, the whole world breathes Pilate's cynicism. Some say truth is a power play, a meta-narrative constructed by, constructed by the elite for the purpose of controlling the ignorant masses. To some, truth is subjective, the individual world of preference and opinion. Others believe uh, truth is a collective judgment, the product of cultural consciousness or consensus, and still others uh, flatly deny the concept of truth altogether. So what is truth? Here's a simple definition drawn from what the Bible actually says. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, Character, glory, and being of God. Or a better way to say it is, truth is the self-expression of God. So if I ask you, who was the self-expression of God? According to, is it Hebrews chapter 1? The Bible calls Jesus the, the self-expression, the living expression. Remember that? You've read this. Of God's person. So if we want to look at truth, then we have to look to the person of Jesus. And the person of Jesus reveals who is the Father. Jesus, even when he was going to tell his disciples, read him and he says, I am the way, I am. Not I have and not I just disseminate. I am the truth. I'm the truth about God and I'm the truth about you. He came to reveal to us what the Father looked like, but he also came to reveal to us what sons of the Father looked like. And, and, and Jesus and Father had perfect, unbroken communion with each other. And that's what he came to reveal. That's what truth actually is. When you walk and live in perfect, unbroken communion with God the Creator. And when you walk that way, he is the source of all knowledge. He's the source of all wisdom. Now, how do we get that into 2022? Jesus gave us a way, and he tells his disciples this. We're going to read it. I'm going to finish my definitions. The, the biblical meaning of truth is the self-expression of God. Because, God. because the definition of truth flows from God, it's theological. Truth is also ontological, which is a fancy way of saying it's the way things really are. Reality is what it is because God declared it so and made it so. And that's why all of these, uh, all these secular humanists have done everything they could to remove God from the equation of society so that truth can be whatever they say it is. 
Because truth is defined by God, by his nature, by his character. And we see that best in the life and the person of Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus live? What did he say? In the Sermon on the Mount, what did he say? This is the constitution of the new covenant. Love your enemies. Forgive them. If a man steals your, shirt, uh, steals your coat, give him your shirt too. If, a, if someone asks you to walk with them a mile, go too with them. Love those that despitefully abuse and use you. We don't do that. You let somebody use or abuse us today, by God, I'm going to get mine back. You're going to do what to me, I'm going to do it twice again back to you. Is, am I telling the truth? Oh, you got me, you think you got me, you got me, I'm going to get you. And that nonsense has crept into the church. And the way that it's gotten here is because we're programmed that way. And so what we have to learn to do is by the Spirit of God is commune with Him enough. And how do you, what is communion about? If you take communion, what do you do? You take the body and the blood of the Lamb. What's the body represent? It's the bread, the Word of God. So we consume the Word of God. And as we consume the Word of God and drink His blood, what is blood what's His blood represent? Revelation. So as we consume the word of God and we sit in quiet contemplation with him, then the revelation of God comes. And then we don't just have to, we don't just have to look for truth. Then truth becomes a part of us. I'm trying to get to. Jesus says this in John chapter 17. As he prays, and this was hours before his arrest. He says, John chapter 17, verse 17. Your word is truth. Your logos. Yeah, the, the logic of God, the way God thinks, his mind is truth. So make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. So again, I ask what is truth? He's a person. His name is Jesus. So John chapter 14. Don't worry or surrender to fear. You've believed in God, believe also in me. That's the King James. I'm reading from the Passion. Father, in my Father's house are many mansions, or Father's house has many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I go to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Now, it's the picture of a groom coming to take his bride to live with him. That's what the picture is. And I want to get off into eschatology right now because right now I just want to focus on truth. And when everything is ready, I'll come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. And you already know the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, Master, we don't even know where you're going. So how could we know the way there? And Jesus says what? I am the way. I am the truth. And that word truth means the true reality. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me except union through me. Now, I'd like to say... Most of this, when it is used in an eschatological manner, we, we think that Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a house for you. And, but what he says is, he said, no one comes not to heaven but by me, but no one comes to the Father. Which means the focus is, and I'm for heaven, I'm all that. But the focus was not to get you a house in the sky. The focus was to get you back in perfect, unbroken communion with the Father. So whether in this age or any of the ages to come, you can live and rule and reign as you're supposed to as sons and daughters of the Most High. Philip speaks up and says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all we need. And Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father lives in me, and I live in him? Even my words are not my own, but they come from the Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father, and that my Father lives as one with me. Or at least believe that the mighty because of the mighty miracles I have done. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do and even greater miracles because I go to be with the Father. I will do, for I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Now, verse 16. And ask of me... And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. That's the King James. The Passion uses the word another Savior. The Greek word here is the parakletos. You know the paraclete. That's the word for the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever know that? He will give you another Savior. It's a technical word that can be translated defense attorney. 
It also can be translated as helper, as counselor, as comforter, as advocate, as encourager, as intercessor or helper. But none of these words alone are adequate enough and they fall short in explaining the full meaning. The translation in the Passion is chosen Savior because it depicts the role of the Holy Spirit to protect, defend, and save us and ourselves and our enemies and it keeps us whole and healed. He guides, he defends, he comforts, he consoles. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, and so it is our Savior. So I ask you again, who is, what is truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. And how do we know the truth? We receive his Spirit. So the truth lives within us. How did Jesus know any of the things that he knew? When he met the woman at the well, Remember? He meets the woman at the well, and, and he says, where are your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you're right about that because you don't have, you don't have a, you've, got, you've got five husbands, and the one you're with now is not even yours. Remember? How did he know that? Is, is it because he is God? And he is. I would never, you'll never hear me one time take away the deity of Jesus. He is God. But when he walked the earth, he did things as a son in right relationship with his father. It's because the spirit of truth lived inside of him. And God does not exist inside of time. Time exists inside of God. So God knows all things as we understand it. We think of eternity no normally as, as a, a, lot, a line as far as it can go this way and a line as far as it can go that. But eternity is really more like a circle with no beginning and no ending. And it exists inside of God and time exists inside of God. So he knows things. In fact, the Bible says he not only sees, but he declares the end from the beginning. He is the source and the only source of all truth. And so if you are filled with the Spirit of God, then you have access to tap into the source of all knowledge. Really? Yeah. Yes. Boy, it's quiet in here. I can hear the raindrops up there. Some of you think it's so hard your ears are smoking. The Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend, a comforter. Think about that. I love that Jesus says he calls the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and the comforter all in the same phrase. Think about that. You're so, we were supposed to have been comforted by truth. But before we can be comforted by truth, we're going to have to be confronted by truth. We don't like being confronted by truth. We like the comfort thing, but we don't like the confrontation thing. And many of us are confrontational for confrontation's sake. And that also isn't right. But you're going to have to be confronted by truth before you'll be comforted by it. You're going to have to be willing to look in the mirror and pull back all the filters and look at truth for what it actually is. Have you, I'm going to ask you how many of you, I know, I know some of you probably have, hopefully all of you have, have sat down and said, okay, Lord, tell me what the real thing is going on with, for instance, COVID. I believe COVID's a real thing, so don't take my word. But how many of you sit down and say, okay, I hear what this side says, and there's another side that says this, there's a whole other side that says, what is the truth? And just sat there until he answered you. And what if I were to tell you, you really don't have a right to disseminate anything until he does? Because the truth is, you don't know. You're just parroting something that you heard someone else say. No matter how right it might seem to you, because it could be truth filtered, and most likely it is. We're willing to go to war with people that we see every day that work with us, that go to our schools and go to our churches on these social issues because they got their news filtered one way, we got our news filtered the other, and we don't realize it doesn't matter who's right, the enemy won because you're willing to fight over it. I cannot tell you how many times the Lord has had me, I'll talk about myself because I'm still growing. I'm not there. I don't consider myself perfect. I don't consider myself as having arrived or any of that stuff. More than once, I have, I have put something out, for instance, on social media, and the Lord says, why did you put that? Remove that. Not because I don't even think that it's right, but because of what effect it might have on someone I'm in relationship with that might cause that relationship to stop, and now I don't have influence with my friends and my brothers and sisters. You will not see me very often commenting on things politically. One, because I'm going to make everybody mad because I don't agree with any of most of it. I don't fully fall on one. In fact, I'm, if you want to know how I'm registered as a voter, I'm registered independent. I don't fall on one side left or right. 
I tried to my best say, Lord, if you want me to even to vote in this nonsense, in this mess, my God, the lesser of two evils is still evil. I mean, am I even supposed to? But I'll do my civic duty, but God, please tell me who to vote for. I don't just go down and vote all one side or the other. If I vote, and sometimes I don't vote at all. If I don't know, I'm not going to check your name because you have a D or an R beside it. I'm not because I'm not a program and I'm not a little robot that's going to get your vote just because you spun your truth to me. More times than not, I've had to pull stuff off of social media because I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt people who's. And I watch these guys, and there are some I could call their names, and they're big names. And I probably would have a much larger platform if I was willing to do that. That have huge platforms because they're willing to just to. As for me and my church, we're gonna spit their tobacco. You know. So you have influence on social media, but you have no influence in the spirit, and there ain't a chance you're gonna cast out a demon because you're living with one. But okay, glad that you got your big social media empire following you. I don't, the, 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 Jesus said this, and I, I, try to, I try my best, I really do. And I know that, I, that, I, that I'm, I'm maturing and I'm growing. Jesus said this, remember when he said, if you come to the altar to offer a gift to my father, and while you're at the altar, you remember that you're offended at your brother or your brother's offended at you, leave the gift there. Literally, he says, stop what you're doing, leave it there, and go and make it right with your brother or sister, which tells me he put a premium on us getting together and loving each other and walking in unity above what we call worship and praise. I'm just going to take God my gift of praise on Sunday morning and before you're out there, you're talking about, you see what she said. I can't believe she got that jab or he didn't get that jab. He don't care about anybody. He wants everybody. You're t- none, nothing that you did matters if when you leave these doors, it doesn't reflect what you say you're doing here. doesn't matter. And the enemy has gone to great lengths to divide you on every possible issue there is. And it doesn't matter what you believe. Even if what you believe happens to line up with the truth, if you're willing to fight your brother or your sister over that, you've already lost. Are you telling me that I'm not? No, what I'm telling you is Jesus put a premium on unity. On unity. We love being right. And for whatever reason, we love letting the ones that were wrong know we were right. I told you, I told you so, I told you so. We're such told you so people. And nothing, Jesus never, ever, ever one time, go read the red word, go read the, the gospels. Not one time Jesus said, I told you, you bunch of, the only time he got a told you so was with religious hypocrites that were deceiving people. And I know there ain't nobody in here like that. They always try to, should we pay taxes or shouldn't we pay taxes, Jesus? And Jesus said, give me a coin. God, he's, I, I, the same spirit that was in him is in you. What wisdom? He said, whose who's photo and inscription or who's my, whose inscription is on this coin? Caesar's. Now, he didn't say, well, go give it to Caesar. He said, surrender unto Caesar's what Caesar's and render unto God the things that are God's. I, I love it. They asked him one time, the baptism of John. Tell me, was it of God? Or, or, or they asked him, they asked him, what power do you have to cast out devils and do these healings? Who are you from? Jesus said, tell you what. You answer my question, I'll answer yours. Was, was the baptism of John, was it of God or of men? <laughs> because he knew if they said of men, that people were going to fight. If they said of God, he said, why didn't you get baptized by him? He is truth. And there is a truth, a standard of truth, that's not going to change just because the age has changed. And it doesn't change because you think you have your truth. No, you have your filtered version of the truth that hardly resembles the actual truth. And until the church, and I don't know if the Western church is going to do it. I believe we were. I believe there will be a remnant that will. Until the church sends up and says, you know what? I'm willing, I'm, I'm willing to be told that what I have believed is not truth if it, it helps me receive what is truth. And until I know all truth, until I have all truth, I'm going to focus on what Jesus, I'm going to love my brothers myself. I'm going to refuse to be divided. I'm going to pray for my enemies. I'm going to, that's what we're called to do. I'm going to make sure the poor have food to eat if I can help them. I'm going to make sure the orphan has a place to live if I can help it. That's what I'm going to focus on. I can't hardly get a word in. You guys are shouting me down today. 
you may not like that I'm bringing this up. Why, Josh, why did you bring this up today? Because it is, it is paramount that in this year and in the years, to, if you think that all this is just going to disappear and we're going back to normal, as you understand normal, it, we will never go back. The cat's out of the bag. The genie's out of the bottle. It'll never go back. And in fact, depending on your perspective, it's going to get better or worse. And it can get worse as long as the church wants to join in arm in arm with the secular world and say, yeah, I'm willing to fight. I'm willing to fight you and I'm willing to tell you you're wrong. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to use my filter truth to attack you. I know churches in America today, and I know several of them over the past few years, and some of them think that they're doing God a service that have said, for instance, if you're, there's a, there's a church in Tennessee, and I'm going to use two examples because they could not be more opposite in terms of their theology, and in my, in my opinion, they're really just two wings of the same. There's a church in Tennessee that said, if you wear a mask, you won't come in my church, by God. If you wear your mask, you know, there's another church that's in, I think it's in Indiana that said, if you ain't vaccinated, you ain't worshiping with us. I'd like to sit both of these pastors down. One of them is an African-American, one of them is a Caucasian. I'd like to sit them both down and say, uh, where exactly did that, do you find that in Scripture? And when did the Holy Spirit inspire you to say that? You're te- you just told half of the people that need what Jesus has and that needs what the Holy Spirit should be delivering, they're not allowed to come worship because they don't think the way you think about a certain topic. And it's the it's exact same thing, to, to the flip side of the same coin. And I would dare say that probably some of us in here, and I'm trying to have probably liked or been really happy that the one person said what they said or the other person said, they not realizing all it is is creating division. We have literally flushed logic and critical thinking down the commode. And said, because my favorite talking head has said it, and it's more convenient for me to believe what they said, I'm going to fight my brother and sister over it. And this ain't winning me brownie points. I can see it in your faces. That's okay. I don't need brownies anyways, obviously. You're, you're going to tell people because, because they are or they're not wearing them, they can't come in your church? That doesn't look like Jesus. I want you to tell me, one person stand up and say, you can actually picture Jesus saying 2,000 years ago, before you come to me, now, leper, are you wearing your mask? Because if you don't have that mask on, you ain't coming to me. You don't get to come worship with me. How, what kind of nonsense is that? I mean, how powerless would he be if he said that? He touched him. Or on the, or on, or the flip side of it. We're dividing. And we've bought into and we think that we're right. And because our favorite people have said it and our side of society has said it, by God, we're gonna, that's what I'm standing with. I'm willing to go to war with my brother and sister over it. Hogwash. You know what we need again? We need the church to actually be baptized in his spirit again. Where, where, where the main thing is the main thing. And what's the main thing? Love your brother. Love your neighbors. You love yourself. Jesus would never say, you know. You must be vaccinated or you must be mastered. Don't you dare put on a mask, you hypocrite, coming around me. He didn't waste time with that nonsense. He just loved. He was the logic of God. He was the perfect expression of the Father. I I cannot believe that some of these people that in some ways I've admired have said these things publicly. Probably because of pressure, because they didn't have enough character to stand up and say, if i got to lose everybody in the church, I'm going to stand on what I know is the truth. And here's the truth. No matter what anybody does or doesn't like, the truth is, God is still God. Jesus is still his perfect expression. And the Holy Spirit's more powerful than COVID and Ukraine and Russia and Joe Biden and Donald Trump and everybody. And the only Savior we really need is Jesus. We don't need a certain person in the White House to save us. All of us would probably rather have somebody else at some time or other than that. Nobody likes paying three sixty dollars a gallon for gas. But do you actually think that a person is going to go take over the White House and is going to save us all? No, Jesus is your Savior. It ain't Trump. And it ain't Biden. And it wasn't Obama. And it wasn't Bush. And it wasn't Clinton. That's, that's a mass deception to believe any of them care anything about any of you. All of them have enriched themselves on the backs of people like us. That's a whole different story. And some of you don't want to hear it yet because you're way too programmed to believe it. So what's truth? 
What is truth? And how do we get to truth? And in our homes, if we don't set a standard of what truth is by the Spirit of God, we're going to be like a reed blown in the wind. If it blows this way, we're going to go with an narrative that goes this way. And if we, we were always supposed to be countercultural anyways. The church was always supposed to be the city set up on a hill that can't be hid. We were supposed to be what the world looked at and said, that's what we aim for. That's, instead, we've become just like them. And we think we're doing God a service by saying, you shouldn't wear that, you should faith, or you should, you, you should have it because you don't care about grandma. And we're fighting. What's the end result of you getting your point across to your brother or your sister or your neighbor? Well, if you got to win the argument, congratulations. Here's a, here's a ribbon for you. You've lost the relationship. So Jesus says, the spirit of truth, and he is a spirit, and he is a person. He said, if I go to the Father, then the Comforter, who's the Holy Spirit, will come. And he will show you what is truth. The only, the only way we can measure what truth is, is if we walk and live and move with the Spirit of God. Period. And I can tell you, his spirit does not align perfectly with any political party. Am I saying that sometimes on either side they don't get it? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying everybody that works in politics is out to get I'm not saying that either. I believe, in fact, I know, I know there are some people that are trying to push for change. But before you push change in the White House, you might want to change, uh, push change in your house. Let the Spirit of God be the chief and the cornerstone of your house before you try to change who's doing what in the White House. You praying over, you spend hours and hours and hours, you know, politicking and, 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 and creating a narrative over who got to be in the White House. And the whole time you didn't look at what was happening in your house. Your own house is going to hell and back, but we care about who's in the White House. Fighting with your husband, fighting with your daughters, fighting with your son. Don't have no friends. Jumping on social media just to attack, 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 attack. But yeah, let's worry about who's in the White House. You better worry about what's in your house. You need to be concerned with that. Who's the arbiter of truth in my house? It's the Holy Spirit. I can tell you more times than not over the last year, I've had to apologize for being wrong. And that does not come easy to me. And it does not come natural to me. And I don't like it. I don't mind being honest enough to tell you, I do not like it. I do not like saying, I'm sorry, I've wronged you. I don't like that. None of us probably like that. But I can tell you I have built relationships with people, including my own children, that are stronger as a result of me saying what matters more is the relationship than me being right or getting to let everybody else know I was right and they were wrong and I've been wronged. I'm going to finish up. John 14. The truth is a person. Jesus is truth. To know him is to know truth. And there is no truth outside of him. All that can be found in John chapter 14. In John 14, 16, truth is a spirit. Truth is a person. Or chapter 14. Truth is a comforter. And truth is a savior. And until we know truth, we will not know peace. Truth. Actual truth. Until we're willing to look at ourselves in the mirror... Take out all the filters and say, okay, I can see what this actually is. I can see the places that need work. And that takes maturity. And that's the reason a lot of the church will never get there. Because we don't want to grow up. Because to grow up, we have to admit, we could be wrong. To seek truth is to admit, I might not have it all. I might not know it all. And we love to be the person that knows it. You know one of those guys that knows everything about everything. And you know half the time he's talking to you, he's blowing it out of his mouth because he don't know what the heck he's talking about. We like to be that guy that knows everything about everything. You know what I found is so powerful? is saying, I don't really know. I don't know. But I know someone that does. How many, how many of you have called me, don't raise your hand, and ask me, Josh, I have a question, a spiritual question. And ask me, and I'll be like, I'm not sure, let me get back to you. I don't have any problem saying that because I'm not the spirit of truth, but I know him. He lives in me. On a weekly basis, I have people that have dreams, and they'll call me and say, can you help me interpret this dream? And if the Lord gives me something, even most of the time I'll say, let me sit on it, let me pray about it, because I don't want to just spew off the first thing that pops in my brain. I want to sit with it and see what the Lord says. And sometimes he doesn't give me something. In fact, sometimes I'll call some friends of ours and say, hey, what do you have for this? I have a spiritual question for you, Josh. What do you think about this? And I'll, I have learned there's such a power in saying, I really don't know. 
It's okay not to know. It's not okay to pretend that you know when you really don't because that's how you do damage. It's not okay to force your perception of truth on someone else until you know that it's true. And even then, how many times do you see Jesus forcing truth on anybody? He just was. And you come to the knowledge of that truth or you don't. But he's not going to force it on you. You help me preach, Rain? She said, dinner time. <laughs> I want to challenge you. And I knew this was going to be a challenging story. In fact, I told, I told Elizabeth. She said, ooh, I'm going to have to watch. She hasn't been feeling well, so she's at home. She said, I'll watch and I'll be praying for you. <laughs> I want to challenge you. Before you're, before you're willing to make an enemy or even, or even oppose someone about any particular issue, let's, let's practice this week. I want you to sit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what is truth? And what's paramount? Because I can promise you, your relationship to your brothers and sisters matters much more to God than whatever your perception of truth is. I have friends that are vaxxed. I got friends that are unvaxxed. I have friends that will not go into a place unless they got 17 masks on. And I got people that wouldn't wear a mask in a hospital where people are having surgery. I've have, I have people that think that Joe Biden is the greatest thing that ever happened in this country. I have people that think that Donald Trump was the greatest president that's ever lived. And you know what? I love, every, I love all of them. Loving someone is not necessarily mean you have to agree with everything that they say or see or do. The premium should be on love and on unity. If the Lord prompts you to confront someone with something, then confront them. But do it in the spirit of truth. Hey, hey have, you ever, have you ever considered this possibility? Whenever, and I have it all the time, people in the church, and they're, they're fighting or they're going at each other. Do you know what this one did? My, 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 and let me go back to this. With my children, I'll do this. I had, I had my son and, my, and another son. They'll, can you believe it? Let me show you what his perspective is. Have you ever considered? I had my oldest son and my father-in-law that kind of got into a little bit of a misunderstanding recently. And, I mean, it ended with one of them hanging up on the other one, and, and it was like, what the heck just happened? So I had a phone call with my phone. I said, hey, I want you to see what this person's perspective is. Have you ever considered what, what they've been through, what he might be thinking? And then I did the same thing to the other person. You know what happened? We found a mutual place where like, oh, it was just a misunderstanding? Yeah. You mean he doesn't hate me? No. Oh, he doesn't hate me? No. Misunderstanding. So this week, I'm challenging you. Before you're willing to make an enemy of somebody or before you're willing to go attack somebody or jump on social media to let everybody know you know the actual truth, sit with the Holy Spirit for a minute and say, okay, Father, first, are you directing me to do this? And if so, help me do it in the spirit of love so that I, I, I don't want to come across as offensive. It don't mean you won't offend. Believe me, when you give truth, it's going to offend people. But help me do it in such a way that it draws people closer to you. Because if it's not drawing people closer to you, if it's not creating unity, if it's creating division, it's probably not of the spirit of truth. And it probably doesn't need to be said. We're addicted to making our social media posts. Before you make it, think, who is this going to alienate from me that might need something that I have to be able to advance their life in the kingdom? It happens to me on a daily basis. I have to do it all the time. I, I, can't, I can't do that. I've done it and erased it, like deleted, like crap. I really want to say this. Or I really want to say this. But it's not, it's not expedient. Paul said that once in one scripture. He said, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are expedient. If it's not going to benefit the body, why would I do it? So sorry we're not all falling down here and crying and 17 people got healed, all that happened earlier. But if we, can, if we can accept this, that we don't know all things and let the Holy Spirit lead us and put a premium back on relationship above being right, I think that we could actually make a difference in the community. I think that we could start making a difference in the country. And I think that we can save the world. I believe it. I believe that we can do that, but it has to start first with us. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. I'll let you go. I know you've heard me long enough. I'm sorry that I've gone way over my allotted time. How much time do you allot as much as I need? Father, I, you've spoken to me all week, and to the best of my ability, I've tried to expound upon what is real truth. We know that truth is a person. We also know that... Uh, at, at, at least we can admit the possibility that a lot of what we believe is programming that needs to be undone so that we can receive real truth. In my opinion, Lord, not that it matters much, but until we're walking and living and moving in the miraculous and everything that we touch is blessed, uh, then, then we all have room to grow and we can at least admit that maybe we don't have it all figured out. 
So we ask by your spirit that you would lead us. The Bible says you would lead us and guide us into all truth. If you're going to lead us and guide us, we're going to have to be willing to submit to your leadership and to your authority. So before we're willing to make enemies of our brothers and sisters, help us to at least consider the possibility that we don't have it all figured out. To love as you loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. God bless you. See you next Sunday.